Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Jesus loves you. You know that. But I can tell you this, all his followers, Peter, when he writes that letter, I hope you understand as he is inspired by the Holy Spirit, man, Peter had a love for you. That's why you should read the Bible. That's why you should read these books is because I believe the authors had a love for their audience as well as they're inspired by God. If you need another reason to get into the scriptures, there you go. Because yes, the author of it, Jesus himself loves you more than anything you could ever know. Not only does Jesus love you, but any of his followers that wrote for the Bible loved you too. Isn't that cool? To write as many of the biblical writers did, one must have a great love and passion for God's people. As Pastor James continues today's study of the book of Mark, take this opportunity to feel loved and held by God and the writers of his gospel message. Much like you, this scripture was written on purpose and for a purpose. So ask God, what is it that you're trying to teach me right now? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. you'll see in following Jesus is that there's going to be lots of highs, lots of lows and all that good stuff. And there's going to be a lot of times where you feel like, okay, I think I'm just done, right? The story's over. It's just time to go back. Like I can do anything else. I can do anything else. And then Jesus shows up in your life. He's like, no, no, it's just starting. It's just starting. Don't give up. Don't give up too soon. So that's kind of Andrew and Peter. And they left this fishing business. Again, what that signified for them was security and comfort. And they were willing to lay that aside to follow him. They didn't know how long at this point in time. They didn't know really that it was only going to be three years. They didn't know that, again, at this point in time, they may have had ideas. But we know from the gospel accounts that, because even when Jesus was telling them, I'm going to be crucified, they still didn't click in their brains. But he showed up and says, come follow me. And they laid all the stuff aside, the comfort, the security, the known for the unknown. I would encourage us to pursue that same journey, especially in Western Christianity, where comfort is king. Comfort is king. We know that. We know that. Comfort's king. We like comfort. We long for comfort. We long for security. Let's be honest. We do. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things, but when those things are numero uno in our lives, we might be missing out on the adventure and the journey. I do not mind letting you guys in on the flaws of my life. As a youth pastor for 13 years, getting to the point where I was like, having that conversation with Jesus where I was like, man, Jesus, I have some repenting to do because I can do this without you. I can do this without you. And that's where I was in ministry, doing ministry, teaching sermons, teaching lessons to youth students, high schoolers, junior hires. And I was awakened to this realization. I'd become so comfortable and so secure. I just didn't need Jesus anymore. 
And it was the scariest thing I'd ever waken up to. And I repented. I just flat out repented to him immediately there on the spot. And I said, I'm sorry, because that's not what ministry is. If it's done without Jesus, then it's not ministry. It's works. It's works. And I had a whole long list, long, you know, lineage of just works. And I said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it if it just works. I want adventure. Jesus, I read these books. I read these stories about people who forsook all to follow you. I don't have that in my life. And I want that. And he said, hold on. He said, hold on. You want to go on an adventure? Let's go on an adventure. And then we moved to Galveston. And it's an adventure. And it's the hardest thing we've ever done in our lives. Absolutely. But it forced us. It really forced us to to break free of that comfort thing and really our backs against the wall, quote unquote, kind of a thing where we had to rely on him once again. We had to rely on Jesus once again to be our provider. Because for so long, I didn't need him to be my provider because, well, I had the checks were coming in. The stuff was covered. It was good. And this isn't, you know, we weren't looking to be like financially irresponsible or anything like that, but it was just like, Jesus, I, I kind of forgotten what it feels like to trust you anymore. And I don't want to live that way. I also don't want to live because I'm not crazy. I don't want to live day to day like, oh Lord, you know, that, in that mindset of like, yeah, I want to, I do, we do trust him every day, but I'm, I'm not asking him to put me in situations where it's like, you know, I have to trust him every day in that sense, right? Like, oh, don't follow me down that road, okay? I'm not going there. I'm not insane. It refreshed us. It brought us back to this mindset of like, No, we're all in. We're all in, Jesus. We're all in. And that's what it was for Peter and for Andrew. Jesus shows up and they're like, we're leaving the fishing nets behind. We're leaving the, what could be for them for sure was going to be, they didn't have to worry about anything. It's a business. It's a successful business. But they were going to go all in for Jesus. They were going to go on, and it was going to cost them. If you know anything about the disciples' history, all of these guys died following Jesus. All of them died following Jesus. None of them lived a full life. None of them did. And it wasn't because they were foolish. It wasn't because they were, you know, brazen and all. They followed Jesus until the very end. And for some of them, the very end meant other people taking their lives because of that. Martyrdom, that's what that is. When you get to heaven, assuming you're good to go concerning that. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You're following him. You can ask each and every one of these guys, minus one, because he's, we, as far as we know, he's not there. You can ask these guys, was it worth it? And their answer is going to be, oh, absolutely. Would you do it again? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what they were signing up for. They were signing up for uncertainty. They were signing up for, I mean, you name it. They were engaging. They were signing up for war. They were signing up for war. I don't think they understood all the details of that initially because they're thinking, you're the Messiah. You're going to usher in the kingdom. Well, we want to be connected to you because then that might mean we got some good spots in the new kingdom and all that stuff, right? They're thinking like he's going to overthrow Rome and all this good stuff. That's not why he came the first time. Now, they would be set when he comes back the second time, and he is going to come back pretty soon. But this is what they were signing up for, and this is what they left their nets for. It says they left their nets immediately or at once, and they followed him. 
They went all in, no turning back. And even if they did turn back, like Peter did, it was brief, it was brief. So if you find yourself in that same position, I just want to encourage you, you can always come back. The story's not over. The story's not over. You can always come back. He's not done with you. He's not done with you. Don't let the enemy whisper that line to your ear. As long as you are alive and breathing, he is never done with you. Never. You think, I've done too much. I've gone too far. You, you can't go too far. You can't go too far. You can stop, which is the best thing. You could stop and turn back towards him. But he's not done. The story's not done. Let us keep pressing on. Let us keep persevering until the end, until the end. Keep your eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of your faith. He will see you through. He will see you through. So he's got these two guys. He goes on up. He's got to catch some more fish in the sense of two other souls. A little farther up, verse 19, it says, up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, sons of thunder. Yeah, you guys know these guys? They're the ones who Jesus sent them into Samaria as he was going back to Jerusalem towards the end. And whichever village they were at within Samaria, they rejected Jesus. And so James and John were like, uh, so Jesus, you want us to call down fire? You know, you want us to wipe them out? And he's like, wait, can you calm down? Like, what, how did we know? Why, why do you even get to that conclusion? Like, what, what is wrong with you? Jesus is like, no, you rebuked them. And they just, he just moved on. They reject Jesus. Okay, we just move on. We just move on, fellas. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Just keep moving. This is James and John, two brothers. Their dad was Zebedee. They also were a part of a, a fishing company. Now, there's some thoughts out there that maybe this is the same fishing company that Peter and Andrew worked for. It could be. Um, could be a different one. Doesn't really matter. We know that Zebedee is the boss, though. This is his fishing company and his two sons, who you know that he's thinking, these guys are going to, when my time's done and it's time to retire, nobody back then retired, by the way. Nobody did, okay? When it's time to pass it on, I'm passing it on to my boys. Well, those plans changed. Those plans changed because Jesus showed up and said, hey, you two, come follow us. Come follow me. To James, James would become out of the, I'm going to say the 11, out of the 11, he's the first one to lose his life for Jesus. Now we know that Stephen was stoned and Stephen was martyred for Jesus, but out of the disciples, James would be the first one who would lose his life. These guys are more than likely related to Jesus, cousins of Jesus also. John, we know as the disciple whom Jesus loved as his gospel likes to tell us multiple times. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the one he loved. Very, man, just his relationship with Jesus is absolutely beautiful. And just to frame this within your mind, that evening of the Last Supper, the evening of the Last Supper, and, and there's John as he's like reclining against Jesus. Yeah, I mean, you don't get more intimate than that. That's beautiful. That's amazing. That's like John had such love for Jesus. And you know, Jesus, obviously he loved all these guys, but there probably was a special affection towards John. It's just amazing. This fisherman, because I can't even imagine that, like sitting around the table with a bunch of dudes and one dude's like resting his head on me. I'd be like, ah, no, come on. Space, bro. Space. Like, please 
don't know. You guys know me. I'm like, no, don't touch me. But he was like, nah, come on, John. Let, yeah, put your head right there. You know, like, probably rub it, you know, give him a noogie and all that good stuff. I don't know. But John was just like, he loved Jesus so much, so much. John had an incredible story. I mean, the gospel of John, beautiful gospel, amazing gospel. And then to go on and, you know, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, the book of Revelation. I mean, they tried to boil this dude in killing him. And it didn't work. It didn't work. He survived. He survived. Out of all these disciples, like he's the one who, he lived until his like 90s. They tried to kill him by, yeah, again, boiling him to death. Didn't work. Then they isolate him on the island of Patmos all by himself. And he was, we know that his story never, didn't really end there either. He was still a pastor. He, history tells us that he, more than likely, he was kind of helping pastor over the church of Ephesus. But man, this guy, read first, second, and third John. This dude loved believers. He loves you. Jesus loves you. You know that. But I can tell you this, all his followers, Peter, when he writes that letter, I hope you understand as he is inspired by the Holy Spirit, Man, Peter had a love for you. That's why you should read the Bible. That's why you should read these books is because I believe the authors had a love for their audience as well as they're inspired by God. If you need another reason to get into the scriptures, there you go. Because yes, the author of it, Jesus himself loves you more than anything you could ever know. But the ones he used to put pen to paper, so to speak, they love you too. And if you don't believe that, First, second, and third John. Man, he, you can tell he loves the church so much. So much. But there they are sitting in the boat with their dad, mending a net. And Jesus shows up and at once, you know, called them at once, come follow me. And they also followed him, leaving their father, Zebedee, not by himself, because they're good boys. They're good boys. They're not going to bail on dad. No, he's got a whole crew. This is how you know it's a successful fishing company because he has all these other workers. So they probably look at each other and look at their dad and say, and I'm sure dad was like, go, go. It doesn't tell us that. I don't think Zebedee is like, oh man, like seriously, like why don't you ask some of these other knuckleheads in my, you know, who work on my crew. No, Jesus saw James and John called out for them, gave them this grand invitation and they left their nets and they followed Jesus. And they were going to follow him. They too were willing to, to lay aside whatever to follow him. To lay aside whatever to follow him. Now, I don't want to confuse you. And I don't want you to feel bad for having a career, okay? Or a job. No, don't feel bad about it. You should have a job. If you can, I mean, there's work to be had out there. If you have a career, pursue your career. This doesn't mean that you quit work, okay? And then you just show up and you're like, all right, Jesus, I'm here to follow you. And he's like, well, but, well, I want you over there, following me there, right? So this isn't this thing of like, you know, kind of sell all. And sometimes we carry these things a little too far. Like if you read through the book of First Thessalonians, those people were expecting the rapture to happen any day now. That's good. The bad is they were quitting their jobs because they, they literally thought, and as we all should think that Jesus can come back any day now, any day now. That does not mean that you need to quit your job, forsake all responsibility, and like, you know, just live communal style because he, can, he is coming back soon. 
But I would hope that he finds us being faithful where he has called us and placed us, okay? So with this, if he has placed you within a career or some sort of work environment that you are passionate about, well, follow him there. Follow him there. For some people, this may mean, this could translate into, yeah, you leave all that stuff and you follow him. Maybe that's on the mission field. That still happens today. There are people on the mission field. We support people who are on the mission field today because Jesus showed up and said, follow me. We had our friend Leanne and her and Kenny are serving out there in Africa. And they just moved out there last year. I think it was last year because Jesus said, come and follow me. Now, they've already been following Jesus for a good portion of their lives, but now it was time for a new adventure. And so that meant leaving everything to move to Africa. And that's a beautiful story. It's an amazing story, what they're doing over there. Um, Them, along with their daughter, Savannah, she's been out there for a while. I mean, these types of stories still happen, so I don't want to remove that because who knows? Maybe that's what the Lord has for you as well. I don't know. I don't know. But the very real reality behind this, if I could say it that way, is sometimes he already has you where he wants you. He just wants you to follow him there. So, you know, if your thing is within, as you know, we're in Galveston, we got, you know, UTMBs right there. If you're within that realm, then well, follow the Lord, be the best, whatever, there for Jesus. If it's in this other type of environment, work environment, maybe more of the construction side of things, and that's what, I mean, he has placed you there, then be the best at that for Jesus. Follow him there. I mean, just fill in the blank. Just fill in the blank. But don't rule out the fact that he's still in the business of calling people to leave these types of environments to go all in for him. Because that's still not out of the realm of possibilities for individuals. Because who knows, you may have a burden for this type of people or this type of group or this area on this globe. Well, maybe the Lord's calling you to, to follow him, to take a step of faith and just to go for it. He's still in the business of showing up in our lives and saying, follow me. That hasn't ended. It hasn't ended. And what's fun about that, if we look at, we just, we just have these four guys here, man, they get to go along with Jesus and he's going to go and call others. Obviously there's going to be, you know, we still have like other ones that are to be called. And these guys get to be a part of the beginnings of that journey. It's just amazing that he would, he just shows up and he's like, all right, let's go. All right, let's go. Wait, can I? No, let's go. Let's go now. But I need to, he had other guys who wanted to quote unquote follow him, but they were like, well, I got to wait for my dad to die. And he's like, uh, no, it doesn't work like that. Because it technically wasn't about his dad dying. I hope you understand that story in the gospels. It was never, you know, this, this guy approached him and was like, hey, I want to follow you. And he's like, but first I got to handle all my family affairs. And he's like, mm, you don't sound like you're really all in. You don't sound like you're really all in. She's like, you want to go? We go today. You want to go? We go today. 
So he shows up, Sea Galilee, spent most of his ministry in this region. There's a lot of people there. It's not like in the sticks or anything like that, as some people would think. It's a beautiful region of Israel, uh, the Sea of Galilee, or you may know it as the Sea of Tiberias. There's a couple other names for it as well, but he spent a majority of his ministry within this region. And he was collecting disciples within this region. And these disciples were forever changed because of this, forever changed because of this. They went on an adventure with Jesus and their lives were never the same. They were never the same. I hope that that's an appealing thing for you today as well, because you maybe are following Jesus, but maybe haven't gone all in or, you know, or haven't had that moment of like, man, Lord, what is it that you're calling me to do? Because you called Peter and Andrew and James and John. I mean, you specifically told Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. That's, that's evangelism. Lord, I, I want clarity. I want some clarity in my life. What, what is it that you're calling me to do? I'm all in. I want to follow you. I'm going, but for what? And I would encourage you to continue to walk with him, even if you don't have an answer to that question, and just keep asking him. Naturally, the same becomes aware as you just continue to go, I think. But he's not like he's trying to withhold information from you. If anybody wants you to know what specifically you are called to do, it's Jesus, okay? Sometimes we think that there's this thing like we're, like maybe he just doesn't want to let me know. Why wouldn't he want to let you know? That seems silly to me. Like he's like, well, I kind I don't really want to. He doesn't want to drag you along. He wants you to be effective. He wants you to use those gifts and talents that he's placed inside of you. So naturally he would want you to know what that is, but he would also want you to have the confidence in understanding what that is. So for these guys, it's going to be, man, these are the foundation. These are the pillars within this new movement. And so he's going to use them, but it starts here on the shores of Galilee. It started with them forsaking the safety, the security, and all that good stuff to go on this grand adventure with Jesus. And so for you and I today, maybe it starts on the shores of the Gulf of Mexico because he's calling you out. He's calling you today too. Come follow me. But Lord, this, let's be real. I mean, these days are crazy. If you don't know it, if you don't feel it, there's just an immense amount of fear saturating our world. Saturating our world. And it's not that we don't be wise. You have a brain for a reason. You factor in stuff, you filter in stuff, you process. I mean, that's, praise God for brains. But we shouldn't allow certain, you know, feelings within our culture and all this stuff to dictate whether we go all in with Jesus or not. We're not called to be fearful. In fact, it says true love, pure love, cast out all fear, cast out all fear. And I say that to believers because whether there was like a, a pandemic going on or not, doesn't matter. When Jesus shows up on the shore and says, come follow me, he wants you to follow him. And we can find a million reasons to not do it. We can find a million excuses to be afraid and be fearful of that. But he's not giving you a spirit of fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. We know that, and we, I'll say it time and time again, and I say it because I have to hear it time and time again. 365 references to don't be afraid. Do not be anxious. Do not be fearful. Do not be fearful. 
I don't think it's a coincidence that we're given one of those for each and every day. Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the Gospel of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' life while he was here on the earth. Mark offers unique perspectives on this time, emphasizing Jesus' servanthood to the people that he met. Jesus loved practically, often, and with everyone. What a kind and humble servant we get to serve. If you need to hear this message again or you'd like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore the variety of verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter Bible teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. And if you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come visit us. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Thursday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m., and you're welcome to come join us for both. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. You can get directions there as well. We're excited to meet you and spend some time worshiping with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Mark and to gear up for what's ahead in this New Testament book. There's so much to learn, so much to know about Jesus. So make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.